0: What's your name? My name is Cody Decker. Are you still playing baseball? Technically. Since we last talked about 13 months ago, have you hit more home runs or have you gotten more outs on the pitcher's mound? Ooh. Ooh. That's a
1: good question. Let me think about that. Since we last spoke, I wasn't playing much for the rest of the year last year after I last saw you. So let's see. I finished last year with nine home runs, but I only had like 140-something at-bats, maybe 150 at-bats. So, whew. That is a hell of a question. But I've thrown – I threw one inning this year, got a quick three outs. I ended up throwing five innings last year. I have. I actually have more outs on the mound than I have uh, home runs, which is really weird because I, I only have four this year, but I only have like 45 at-bats. Wow. Wow, that's
0: a that, – that, my career is taking a dark turn. Coming up on this edition of Life Around the Seams, Cody Decker rejoins us. He was the inaugural guest about 13 months ago. Not quite sure what's left in his life that we did not cover the first time. We went about 17 hours or so, but we shall see what's new, and we will explore the intersection of sports and entertainment. When do sports work on TV and movies, and when does it fail? Cody Decker is back, and this is Life Around the Seams.
1: Former Major League pitcher Jim Bouton once wrote, "You spend a good piece of your life gripping a baseball, and in the end, it turns out it was the other way around all the time." Welcome to Life Around the Scenes, a podcast about baseball people who have interesting stories from between the lines, and sometimes even more interesting stories outside the lines.
0: Here's your host, Josh Sushan. Right, Cody. Well, uh, you're, the, uh, you're back. I am. Tim Haggerty beat you back for round two. He was the first one to, do, uh, to come back. I mean, that had to be
1: boring. That, I mean, you probably got the best you possibly could out of him, but you know, he's Tim Haggerty, and he's not going to bring a whole lot to the table when it comes to personality. It's just he's got that voice, but eventually that voice is not going to be... It's, the, the sexy milkiness of that voice definitely wears off after ten minutes.
0: His research skills are amazing. So what What Hags and I can do is we can just nerd out with all of the random research that we find out about baseball. I'm not surprised. Especially from the early 1900s.
1: I mean, he is a pure clone of Vince Scully. Like all the way down to the mannerisms, down to the the speech patterns, and of course the research, where he's bringing up a random stat from 1973 that no one knew about. Well, this hitter is leading the, the whole PCL in doubles after 7.45 p.m. in the first week of August.
0: No one has ever said Tim Haggerty and Vince Scully in the same sentence before, so Haggerty is stoked right now. I, I've said his name in the same uh, – because t- he's he's just a, he's a bad Vince Scully impression. <laughs>
1: But he's a but he's a good bad Vince Scully impression because he's phenomenal at what he does.
0: Well, all of us are are good Vince Scully bad impersonations because we're all trying to do what he did and none of us can do it. But it's not. But the thing is, it's not. He's not. It's his impression has now become
1: him. He is now. He's now the embodiment of this terrible Saturday Night Live Vince Scully impression that would have been like on the cast where Robert Downey Jr. was on for one year. That like, oh. completely blew up, where nothing was funny? Yeah,
0: where the show almost ended?
1: Yeah, like he's on that cast, Vince Scully. That, that, and now it's him. Now he lives it. He lives that Vince Scully impression that is just awful, but he's
0: fantastic at it. Imagine if he used his Boston accent while doing his Vince Scully impersonation. Then it might be really good.
1: I think it's time for him to leave El Paso, move to Pawtucket, take over that radio station, and uh, really show the world what he's got.
0: All right. Enough on Tim Haggerty. I love him. So let's. Uh, yeah, we both love Hags so much. All right. So before we get into some um, just like sports and entertainment stuff, we should cover what has truly happened in the last 13 months. So we've just learned that you have more outs than home runs. That's sad. But you hit your 200th home run, and I we did. had some fun about this on our pregame show. But in all in all seriousness, that's a hell of an accomplishment. Thank you. Um,
1: thank you. Uh, it's it's something that I think I ha- hasn't really hit me. Whether or not it's an accomplishment yet, or, or, or as Crash Davis would say, which is great for the theme of the this show, a very dubious honor. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, uh, you know, I think I think what it, I, I should be proud of is that it's shown my longevity in this game. As a guy who was not supposed to be anything, I mean the the head of uh, the head of the players union, Tony Clark, told me to my face, "Well, Deck, you were never supposed to make it." Uh, that was a real thing said to me. But you know, I've lasted eleven years. Um it's been a little trickier uh to get I, I feel like I should have had two hundred in two thousand sixteen or seventeen. But I went from being an everyday guy up to two thousand fifteen to being an off the bench guy, which I had never done before. And uh being able to still put up the same home run numbers despite the lack of a bats, I think that was um I think that's uh, something to kinda be proud
0: of. So I know that this is much easier said than done, but why not sign with an American League team where you can get a chance for more, more at-bats, they have the DH, all that? Sounds great in theory,
1: but uh, nobody wants me. <laughs> and I, went where, I went where the job was available. Uh, I, I was with the Red Sox. I, I, you know, I signed with the Royals a few years back, and then they traded me here to the Rockies. And uh, that lasted 20 minutes. And then uh, I ended up signing with the Red Sox for the rest of the year. But I didn't sign. It took a month and a half to sign with them. Um, And then I signed. I finished out the year with them. I loved it. I loved being in the American League because, you know, I could DH and, you know, I could play all over the place if need be. Um, But, yeah, no, just for whatever reason, the next year I signed with Milwaukee and they released me in camp at, like, the last day. And then I signed with the Mets. It just, you go where, a guy in my position, you go where the jobs are available and where where the fit is. and, And sometimes there isn't a fit. Like, I don't, think I've, I don't think I've been with a team that there's been a fit ever in my entire career. I think that's just, uh, a guy like me has to be lucky more than good. Um, and I've, I've been more good than lucky.
0: That's a big part of life, and that's a big part of working in sports, whether you are on the field, whether you're in the broadcast booth, whether you're in the front office. Part of it is pure luck and timing. And, and when it comes together and, and when it does it's magical mm-hmm. when it does come together, and when it's not, then you just grind and you do what you can
1: yeah, but I, think, I feel like uh, you know the grind portion of baseball i think is uh it's a, it's, a, it's a trap you can easily fall into. I really enjoy what I do, um, even though i'm not you know i'd love to be make sure i'm like this series i've hit fourth and fifth every game and playing left field now I'm not going to sit here and pretend I'm the best left field in the world i'm serviceable. Um, but it's been great. It's I'm playing every day, and you know I'm in that those power spots that I'm good at, and it's just it's it's great. But even when I'm not in there every day, I still love this. Like I love playing. I love the the you know the ability to go out there and compete and compete at the highest
0: levels and show guys that I I still got this. Our grounds crew is getting a little feisty out I there. I love that. I love it. By the way, can I tell you uh, my biggest anxiety at being at the ballpark? It started to happen today. So my biggest anxiety, I'm usually one of the first people to the ballpark. I, I'd re, I hate sitting in hotel rooms. They're depressing. Yes. So as the visiting broadcaster gets to a ballpark on the road, open up the windows, guys are out there taking early BP, and they start yelling, music, music, turn on the music. And all they see is me, and mm-hmm. they think that I can turn on the music. That's not my equipment to turn on. I don't know how to turn on. And then they start getting louder and more angry. You practically me. don't
1: have music in here. You, you don't have anything in here. You have a laptop.
0: Right, but they yeah. want me to go into the control booth and turn on music nah, for them when right. I'm in Fresno or when I'm in El Paso. And I can't do that, and that's when I start to get massive anxiety. I can see
1: that. I can see that a lot, because I've been one of the guys on the field that will throw a baseball <laughs> up to the booth. And be like, hey,
0: <laughs> music,
1: play some Fog Hat." <laughs> uh, but, yeah, no, so I, I, I still enjoy what I do. I love this. I love going out to the field and playing. Um, you know, it's a lot better than coming going to the field and being on the Phantom. Uh, which I've done a fair share amount over the last couple of years.
0: Okay, so since you have made a film or two in your time of varying lengths, let's talk about sports and music and TV shows and why certain things work and why they don't work. I originally came to you and I said, is Hollywood and baseball in a slump? And your response was, they've always been in a slump. Always.
1: It's always been a slump. You know, people People have nostalgia about baseball movies and thinking that it's this great subgenre, It's not. Your favorite baseball movie is terrible. All of them. The, the, there's like three good ones. What are the three? Okay, I'm going to go with Bull Durham. Okay. I'm going to go with The Natural. Okay. Which is, by the way, far better than the book. And if I will fight anyone, anyone, right now, that wants to have that fight.
0: There's only a few people who read the book.
1: Oh, it's horrible. It's horrible. The ending rips your soul out. Um, and... I'm going to give an asterisk on Major League, and here's why: because they just couldn't leave well enough alone. They the, had to keep making. The, the first, the first Major League, fantastic. The second one, borderline. If it, if it weren't for Bob Uecker, that movie's entirely unwatchable.
0: Yeah. Uh, and
1: then Major League back to the minors. So now you've you've absolutely destroyed a good movie to me. Um, and then uh, A League of Their Own is good.
0: Feel the Dreams, horrible. The horrible. book is really good.
1: Yeah, the movie is terrible. It is this horrible play on nostalgia. You have Timothy Busfield, by the way, who has the best swing in that entire movie. Doesn't pick up a bat. Little Big League's good. Timothy Busfield. Speaking of Timothy Busfield. That's not a good movie. Little Big League is good. It's not. Little Big League is good. And no. I feel, think you need to sit down and watch it again. And here's the other good baseball movie that no one appreciates or talks about. And it's not just maybe. It might be the best one of all time. Mr. Baseball, starring Tom Selleck. What a movie. Funny. I mean, it's just so good. It's so good. It's funny. It's a good movie. Um, but then you got um, people sitting around talking about Field of Dreams. Horrible. Uh, the Sandlot. Boy, does that not, that movie does not age well.
0: It was really good at the time.
1: Rookie of the Year. Terrible. Awful. Angels in the Outfield.
0: Horrendous. Uh, the Slugger's Wife. We started to talk about this off air. So the slugger's wife could have been good. Could it have? Yes. It was a decent enough idea. Okay, most people probably haven't heard of it. It's terrible. The slugger's wife is about, a, is about an outfielder playing for the Braves. He's hitting about 280, He's like a 5 to 10 home run guy a year. And he sees Rebecca De Mornay on stage, and he says that if he hits two home runs the next day, then she'll go out with him. And he does, and they start going out, and he keeps hitting home runs. And he goes after then Roger Maris's record of 61 home runs in a season. And there's a couple of cute moments in it where, like, so the whole plot is that she wants to be a singer, and she becomes his good luck charm, and he can't hit without her, and then he becomes a raging lunatic, which is where it goes off the rails when she tries to pursue her own career. But the moments that are funny is when he comes to the plate, and he's got like a transistor radio in his back pocket so that he can hear her singing as he comes to the plate, and then the umpire forces him to turn it off, and then he hits a home run, and he says that he has her perfume on his bat. It totally goes off the rails, but it could have been good. Uh, Here's the thing. The initial
1: concept, just the first thing, meet a girl, starts playing well. That's where it ends. Like that's th- that's it. You just went through a whole plot thread that started with guy meets girl starts playing well. Okay, I'll watch this movie. Every sentence you <laughs> said from that moment on was just dreadful. Dreadful.
0: Oh, dreadful. The most dreadful part is like he's I forget why he's in the hospital, but he's in the hospital and they find some other girl to pretend like it is Rebecca De Mornay to lift his spirits so that he can start hitting again. It's horrendous. The only part about it that does make it somewhat entertaining is they got the actual Braves uniforms. They got the Braves announcers. I know the Braves announcers have joked over the years, like, "Oh yeah, I got a check in the mail for thirty-two cents the other day." Yeah, the residuals from it.
1: Yeah, played on Stars Five. Stars Five. Um, no, what, uh, who, who is it? Ryan O'Keefe.
0: Yeah, no, Michael O'Keefe. Michael
1: O'Keefe. Michael O'Keefe he, plays Daryl Palmer. Man, it'd been great if his swing didn't look like complete shit. Like you're supposed to be a. The, the movie's called The Slugger's Wife and the guy looked like he maybe trained for three hours before he started Me. this baseball movie. Like, where, where, like, you look at Bull Durham, yes, uh, I'm not going to sit here and say that Nuke Lelouch's uh, delivery? delivery was fantastic. It wasn't, but for some reason, based on how he played his character, this over-the-top ridiculous thing, and, and he's surrounded by more grounded characters, that's the only reason that character worked. Tim Robbins' character should not have worked. He was like a cartoonish human being, and he looked like shit on the mound. But because he was so over-the-top and bombastic and everyone else was so much more grounded, it worked way better um, than him just being like this asshole pitcher. So I, I think he kind of gets away with it in that movie.
0: Okay, so why don't more sports movies? Let's start in j- baseball first. Okay. There's never been a baseball TV series
1: no, there hasn't. Well, there, there have, but they didn't work. There was a minor league TV show called Hardball in the 90s. It was, Really? Yeah. It, How did I not see this? Uh, because it lasted maybe five episodes. Okay, it, that's it, why. It was right around the Major League Baseball strike. And it came on, I think, right after Married with Children on Fox. And it was bad. It was really bad. And the, the, they would tr- try to tr- you know, treat it like a normal sitcom format. Um, the reason why baseball TV shows don't happen is one, I don't think studios really think there's a market for it. I think they're wrong. You know, Pitch was a show. Pitch about was, the female... Um, yeah. It's, a, it's not a bad idea, not a bad concept. It was horrifically executed. Because when it comes down to any show, period, it doesn't matter what it's actually about. What matters is your characters. And if you're giving me terrible character development, terrible characters to begin with, it's not worth my time. Like that show Pitch... Was horrible. Like the the uh, she played the character Ginny Baker. I thought she did a very good job with what she had, the material she had. Um, the relationship with her teammates, I thought, was just. It came off as just uh, daytime soap opera. Uh, the the way the their their whole opening thing. Well, you're a girl, so you have to learn something new. A screwball, I'm like a screwball, like that's just. A screwball is just a change-up with a little bit of run. Like, make her a knuckleball pitcher. Make this make sense. Like, Or make it that she just has a f- flamethrower arm. I mean, I'll, I'd buy that more than, oh, she's just got a really good change-up. So does half the team on the isotopes. Like, every lefty on the, change, on the isotopes has a hell of a change-up. <laughs> Maybe drop down sidearm? I mean, give her, yeah, make her a submarine pitcher. I don't know. Do something. Make, make, make the opening of this whole thing make a little sense. Um I thought they did the best they could with what they had um, it 's all about good characters. Um, if you look at the first major league, do you really sit around thinking, Boy, I was really on board with that whole Indian season? No, I mean that was a through line, but the, you, you cared about the characters you cared about you cared about um, Jake Taylor get trying to get back his wife You, you cared about Rick Vaughn, you cared about uh, who was the manager 's name Lou. Uh, Lou. Um, I almost said Brock, which is obviously wrong. I almost said Lou Birdo, which is nah, definitely wrong. it was Lou uh, Lou Brown. Lou Brown. Got it. Lou Brown. You cared about him. I mean, it was just Roger Dorn's character development throughout the entire movie was fantastic. Willie Mays Hayes uh, was this hilarious, great character. It, it was just a good movie filled with great characters. Same with Bolt Durham. You're, you've got a lot of unique, different characters. Um, but then you take something like... Summer Catch, which is not a good movie, uh, starring Freddie Prince Jr. And what you do is you try your best to make these characters unique and different, and every one of them comes off as cartoonish. So it's hard to get on board with this movie.
0: So when it comes to sports movies, let, let's let's kind of break down like what's important. Okay, so characters are number one, but there always has to be some type of love interest that. Sometimes helps it and sometimes derails it. Mm-hmm. And then the importance of, I believe that these are real athletes who are actually, who I, you know, I have to be able to believe. There are ways around that at least, though.
1: You know, as long as you, you know, I could like a character enough to so that I, I don't care. I'm, my willing suspension of disbelief can kind of move on a little bit. Um,. But yeah, I mean, the love interest thing always helps. But like in Summer Catch, it completely hindered the entire movie. It completely it it destroyed its entire third act because he's pitching a no hitter in front of a scout in the you know he's undrafted in the uh, Cape Cod summer league and he leaves because she's getting on a plane in the eighth inning and I love her man I'm gonna go get her and he gets drafted like what the hell is happening? This is the the dumbest ending. Just get on a flight later. Finish your no hitter. Like you got two more outs to get. There's
0: additional flights that are available.
1: Like it's not the last flight ever. You'll be fine.
0: Uh, Was that inspired by um, uh, the Matt Damon Ben Affleck? well, I got to see about a girl. Was that basically inspired by that? Like, oh, that worked in that movie. Let's try that again. I, maybe. Only it, it wasn't as hopeful.
1: It was more shoved down your throat. Or like the ending of Goodwill Hunting had that, I got to go see about a girl. That was a great ending like, that kind of filled you with hope. Like he's turned the corner as a person. Mm-hmm. He's, he's, he's going he's gonna to let love in his life. This one, huh? What the hell just happened? That was stupid. Um, so yeah, it's it. in the rest of the movie had its own flaws too. All the characters were were uh, cartoonish and and uh, it, so you're
0: allowed one cartoonish character. Yeah,
1: you you need a comic relief type guy. Like you look at Major League. Okay, so I would consider on that team, uh, Willie Mays, Hayes, comic relief, even though he has his serious moments. I would think it's Pedro Serrano. See, Pedro Serrano has ridiculous moments too, but he's so serious. But they were different. They were different characters where. Willie Mays Hayes, a lot more bombastic. Pedro Serrano, ultra-serious. So their dynamics got to play off other characters that were polar opposites to them. Nuke um, Lelouch, completely over the top. But he's sitting there with Crash Davis, who is stoic and, and very you know, grounding. Um, so their dynamic worked so well. Um, Mr. Baseball... Uh, Mr. Baseball I like so much because of all the baseball movies, um, Tom Selleck's character, uh, Jack Elliott, uh, has the most growth of a character through a movie. At the end of the movie, he's a completely different guy than he is at the beginning of the movie. He has a legit story arc of him becoming a better teammate, a better player in the tail the end of his career, and a better person altogether. I loved that. his His story arc was just fantastic. He started out as this arrogant, washed-up player who really holding on to his past to learning how to be be the guy he needs to be now, you know, a good player who can mentor the younger guys and take care of the younger guys and he's doing it in Japan. And it's it's such a
0: good story arc. I feel like that movie was the ultimate just vehicle for Tom Selleck because you love baseball and you've worn a Detroit Tigers hat. In all of these Hawaii Five O episodes. So we owe you a baseball movie.
1: And what happens at the end
0: of the movie? He's
1: a coach for the Tigers! Got him! He did it!
0: Magnum lived his dream. Magnum lived his dream. <laughs> um, the best movie that most people have never seen is a movie called Long Gone. Okay, you mentioned this, and I have never heard of this. Long Gone came out the year before Bull Durham. It went straight to HBO, and I don't know... If a copy exists on a DVD, it is pretty much like VHS, and that might be it. It is the story of the Tampico Stogies in the deep South, American South, uh, in like the 50s, 60s. And the main character is named Cecil Stud Cantrell. He's player, manager, switch hitter, pitcher, and they're trying to get a league championship. Stud Cantrell finds two new players to help the team. A second baseman who can't hit but is really good, um, Dermot Mick yes. Dermot McDermott becomes, se- becomes the second baseman, and then he finds an African-American catcher who can bat cleanup, but because it's the South, they won't allow him on the team, so he has to pretend that he's Cuban
1: and just says, "Where in the show, what, where, what year does this take place in?"
0: Uh, sometime in the '50s or '60s. Okay. is when this takes place. Right. Um, Teller from Penn and Teller is in it and has a speaking role.
1: Oh, that's horrifying. Of anything, that's actually the thing that is bothering me the most. Um,
0: Teller Speaks.
1: Okay, I kind of want to see this now.
0: Virginia Madsen is fabulous. She starts off the movie singing the National Anthem and butchers it and ends up... It's very raunchy and ends up with Stud Cantrell. But her character, I know this is blasphemous, is better than Susan Sarandon's character in Bull Durham. See, I just have to call bullshit on this. And here's... Here's the thing, we discussed this
1: uh, before the show, is this movie actually good, or is it just a cult classic nostalgia thing, that because you can't get it, it's it's like Rocky Horror Picture Show, you know, it's got such a cult following, but Rocky Horror Picture Show is a shit movie, it is not good, it is bad from beginning to end, but I really loved the time warp, did the dance at my wedding. I love hot patootie when meatloaf crashes in and then gets bludgeoned with an axe for no fucking
0: reason. <laughs> but it's, 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 uh, but it, is it like that? No, because the whole point of Rocky Horror Picture Show is to go on a Friday night when you're not sober and get dressed up and, and throw stuff up in the air and it's a party. All right,
1: I will admit I have done that a few times. There's a
0: theater called the New Art Theater in Hollywood. I have
1: dressed up in pantyhose and some sort of <laughs> weird like uh, bustier top. Uh, with uh, tassels, and I definitely have partaken in a couple of uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show uh, Friday night at midnight. Uh, partaking. You're
0: not going to do that with Long Gone. And I will admit, there is part of it that's like, oh, trust me, it's the best movie you've never seen, but because I can't show it to you, I can't be disproven. It's like, okay,
1: it's, it, to me this sounds so much like, because I do have a VHS copy of the 1994 Roger Corman Fantastic Four movie. Okay. A movie that Fox deemed so bad they refused to release it. Okay. It is horrible. And I love every second of it because it is just that bad. I, I, once a year, me and my friend, we like to sit down, have some drinks, and watch it. <laughs> but it's on VHS and I'm having a little bit of trouble watching it now because I don't have a VHS player anymore. <laughs> uh, but is it like, it's got to be like that. It can't be no, that it's, good. no,
0: it really is good. And, um, you know, a lot of it is about, it's about corruption, and it's about um, they – so I, I'm going to kind of give away the end because no one's probably ever going to see it. But they basically go to Stud Cantrell and say, we want you to be the manager of this – so the Tampico Stogies are a, uh, like an unaffiliated team. And they say, we want, we want you to, be, to manage the Cardinals next year. And he says, absolutely. And they say, we want you to win us a pennant. And he says, absolutely, I'll win you a pennant. And they say, no, we want you to win us a pennant this year. So they want him to throw the championship. What? Okay,
1: now now I feel like okay. Now I want to see this movie. I really do. I want to. I feel I'm an HBO Go subscriber. I feel like I should be able to watch this movie on HBO Go. And I think we should start a campaign. We absolutely need to start a and, campaign. If yeah. the
0: one thing that we do out of this podcast is to start a campaign to figure out how to get Long Gone released again,
1: I mean, it, it, it's got to be somewhere in
0: the HBO archive. Has to be somewhere. So
1: put it on HBO Go. I want to see it.
0: Yeah, they they uh, they sing this song called "Let's Go Stogies," which is uh, I'm not going to try to do, but it's like "Let's Go Stogies." It's did you just say I'm not going to try <laughs> to do, do it, it, and then immediately? Yeah, because I do had do it. to. Because I had to. Yeah, <laughs> and then, and then, like three lines in. Oh, yeah, I got to stop doing this. <laughs> Long Gone is really, really good. All right, I got to figure out. We got to start a campaign. And, get and the on. Uh, hold on, Where, where's my notes about the name of the uh, of the actor? Oh, I lost it already. Um, it's really good. Virginia Madsen's smoking hot, and she's just really like sassy. And like it, it, at first, you're like, oh, she's just. Just this blonde bimbo, and then you're like, No, 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 there's like a lot of nuance, there's a lot of smarts in this character. Right. She's heavily involved, it's really good. Gotta see it, gotta find a way to see it. We're gonna figure out a way on how to see Long Gone. Okay, so what would work for a baseball television show? Um, well, I, I do all of you screenwriters in Hollywood who are listening to this podcast, take note. Um,
1: you have to come up with a new approach, uh, you need to put it in the point of view of somebody else. Um, Take the folk, make the team and the season, the backdrop and the through line. This got, you've got to put the story in someone else's perspective. And I'm going to leave it at that because Jen and I have written a script very much like this. Okay. And I will not uh, divulge what our script is about. But just know it's quite good and it's a unique perspective that you wouldn't think of.
0: Does it involve needing a minor league baseball play-by-play announcer to uh, do some voiceover work? Actually, yes, it does.
1: <laughs> okay. It sure does. We wrote in, we, it is about minor league baseball. We wrote in Fresno.
0: Tim Haggerty and I are going to get in the octagon to decide who's going to be the... uh Battle to the death. (laughs) Two men enter. One announcer leaves. Okay, so Ken Levine, who wrote the first episode of The Simpsons, which led to the name of The Isotopes. The first Simpsons episode that included Isotopes, not the first Simpsons episode. Mm -hmm. And Ken wrote Cheers and Mary Tyler Moore and MASH. and Yeah, Babe Ruth III was on that team. Called his shot. Called his
1: shot. And then he pointed to the ground. No, no, he's calling a bunt. <laughs> and he's out.
0: <laughs> Ken wrote a script once, which he allowed me to read. And I think it's safe for me to to talk about this. It was about a the official scorekeeper was going through a bunch of other like issues that's going on in his life with like his wife and whether or not they're gonna get a house and something else and there's a no hitter that's being thrown mm-hmm. and the official scorekeeper has to make a determination on whether something is a hit or an error. And so it's all these different characters in the press box. See
1: I'll tell you right there, that is a unique perspective. Brockmeyer Brockmeyer works because Brockmeyer is a different perspective. Where the season is there, it's in the background, but it's not the it's not the idea of the show itself.
0: So it's not about the baseball. No. The baseball's in the background. The
1: baseball, you can't focus on the actual sport. It's too niche. You need to give an audience a reason to watch. Like, why would why would my wife Jen want to watch a show about baseball? Why wouldn't she just watch baseball? Um, you need to bring a little more to the table than just, it's about a baseball team. Hey, it's about a football team. Friday Night Lights worked because it gave you the inside life of all these young players and the pressures of playing in small-town Texas, which it's actually Midland, Texas, but I don't think they ever mentioned it in the show. But, I mean, that show played a lot better than the movie did because it got more detailed into the lives of these characters, and it made it compelling TV.
0: But doesn't it also work because TV is once a week – and football 's once a week, and baseball is every single day mm-hmm. so that 's part of it I think well that
1: 's why you can 't focus on the, i don 't think you can focus on the baseball aspect of it you need to you need to get into the lives of these characters and the lives of the characters that are affected by baseball but d- Baseball is a huge part of my life but to say that I'm sitting here every day that my all my thought process is nonstop on this game only I would lose my mind mm-hmm. if my thought process was only on baseball at all times Baseball's a game life is life you know I need to I I focus more on life and baseball's what I do I love it but it's what I do
0: It was a long time ago but the White Shadow worked because it was unique because it's a white coach who goes into the inner city and his relationship with the players becomes really good. And it wasn't about the basketball. I haven't seen the White Shadow in a long time. But I remember watching it as a kid going, dang, this is just really good. And, again, that worked because it was the characters. It wasn't about the basketball. It was about his relationship with them and what's going on in their lives. And there was part of it that started to get kind of cliche, but TV shows get cliche. They
1: Easily. It's it's it, Anything that start as a good concept and end up getting Awful, because and it's not for any. It's not that the people involved are not talented. It's because you had an idea for the show, you might have had an idea how it ended, but then you got picked up for three more seasons. (laughs) Dexter,
0: (laughs) Dexter was really good for a while.
1: Dexter had the perfect bookend for season four. It was the perfect bookend. That how that season ended in my eyes. That's how the show should end. That's the ending of the show. It's perfect. Consequences for his actions. They had this constant quote that he would always say, Born in blood, born in blood. Now his child is born in blood. Wow. The, visually, it's horrific, but it's it's a perfect bookend to this horrifically violent show. Three more seasons.
0: There's, more, there's money to be made. Three more seasons of absolute garbage. There's money to be made. Okay, so let's do some... Um Let's do some what happened to our favorite characters from movies and TV shows, mostly movies, after the movie ended. Of course. Okay. So let's start with Kelly Leak from The Bad News Bears. Actually, we haven't talked about The Bad News Bears.
1: You're right. We didn't. Um, and I think we would made the right choice. <laughs> okay. you, want, you want a movie that just does not age well. It w- it's a movie that that really.
0: You're talking about the first one, the original, the one. original one. Yeah. That's
1: a movie that really seemed good at the time. Watching it now, you're like, woof. I think there- that's part a- of
0: the charm of it. Is like the players do a beer celebration <laughs> after they lose the championship. That's the only part of the movie I still like. <laughs> but like the the winning
1: dad like hit his kid on the mouth. Ugh. It was just a hard it's –
0: it's honestly a hard – Amanda needed Tommy John surgery. Yeah, it was a – that was a hard movie to watch. The, uh, the breaking uh, – the bad news bears and breaking training when they go to the Astrodome, that's oh. incredibly horrific. Oh. There was a really good book that was written about how bad the movie is from the perspective of, uh, I like the movie because of how bad it is.
1: You know what? The only, there is one good quality thing that came out of that movie. Only one. Bob Watson. No, I wasn't going to say that. Okay. I was going to say uh, a quote that has now been entrenched in professional baseball. So much so that Major League Baseball is using it as their tagline this year.
0: Yeah, that's what Bob Watson said.
1: Let the kids play. Yes, that is the only that that's the
0: only positive thing. That came out of that god-awful movie in the Astrodome. Bob Watson and Enos Cabell come out, and they realize that the game has been stopped because they ran out of time. And Bob Watson says, oh, man, let the kids play. Yep. And then Kelly League's dad goes out there and starts chanting, let them play, let them play. Yeah.
1: That was it. That's about all there was to it. And uh, outside of that, yeah, it's horrible. What was the one in Japan? Oh, yeah, that one's... That one happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what happened to Kelly Leak? Uh, yeah, he's, he's, is he Josh Hamilton? No, he's in prison. He's, he's clearly in prison. There was no way he was not going to prison. But did he
0: come out of prison and make it back to the Major Leagues?
1: No, he went back to prison. <laughs> and he stayed in prison. He stayed, no, he's just in and out of prison. I mean, there's no, there's no way he, there's no way he uh, made to the Major Leagues. There's no way... He, he probably had the Josh Hamilton story. He had the bad Josh Hamilton story. He got to the Josh Hamilton part, where everything and where he had his re- chance for redemption, he just didn't. That was Kelly Leak, okay, no question, poor it, Kelly. Leak. Very, very dark, <laughs> very dark sequel. <laughs> the pain, the penal league. Okay, bad news bears. I think that I San think that Quentin. Kelly
0: Leak made it to the major leagues.
1: I think I think bad news bears. San Quentin was the uh, the only logical sequel.
0: Was Kelly Leak? Did Kelly Leak grow up and become? Ricky Vaughn in Major League.
1: I think there was more chance to that than Josh Hamilton. Uh, but, then, but then Ricky Vaughn got a, you know, a big contract extension. I don't see Kelly Lee getting that.
0: Did Ricky Vaughn test positive for performance-enhancing drugs? No
1: question about it. Cheater. 100% cheater. Not only that, he wasn't even that big, but even, even Charlie Sheen admitted that he took steroids for, the, for that movie. For the movie. For the movie. And
0: he wasn't even big. So Ricky Vaughn for sure got popped 100%. Well, 80s.
1: no, he didn't get popped because this was the 80s. 80s and early 90s. If he was playing now, one he's out he's out he's he's a three-time offense guy. He's a three-time offense guy which means lifetime ban or a year and a half apparently.
0: Or a year and a half apparently. <laughs> Google it. Did Ricky Vaughn make an appearance in WrestleMania after he was banned oh. from playing baseball because of his three-time offenses?
1: that is such a good question. Vince McMahon would never pass up that opportunity. <laughs> yes. Not only did he have not only did he go to WrestleMania, he got interfered in a match and then got scheduled for a le- match later in the night against ah <laughs> oh god, who 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 would it be? Probably like against like a dastardly Kevin Owens or CM Punk or something. Oh man, I want that so bad. Make it happen.
0: Okay, so we know that Nuke Lelouch had Tommy John surgery.
1: No question. That, that, that wind-up, that was not going to last long. Not to
0: mention, in his pro debut, he struck out 18, walked 18, so he threw like 300 pitches.
1: Yeah, he threw a lot of pitches, which I was really... New league record on both. Yes. But, like, why were they throwing him so much?
0: So the, the manager got fired because he ruined this kid.
1: Major league manager or you talking about the, triple, the, the A-ball manager? The, the, yeah, the
0: Durham Bulls manager.
1: Which was an A-ball team in that movie. Everyone yes. seems to keep forgetting that that's an A-ball team mm-hmm. in the movie. Durham is now a AAA team. They are it basically became
0: a AAA team. team because of that movie. Weren't they already a AAA team at the time? No. I could, I could have sworn they were. Because it was when the movie came out in, what, 88? Because they shot the movie in the old stadium. Yes. And they already
1: had a new stadium.
0: So it became a AAA team because when Major League Baseball expanded for the Rockies and Marlins in 1993, that means you need two new AAA teams. Hmm. Not to mention, you needed a Triple A team to replace Denver, which was now a major league team. So you needed three right. new Triple A markets, and, the, also, and that's Phoenix, when Durham, also Phoenix too, right? Phoenix was ninety eight.
1: Okay, so that's
0: when the Diamondbacks entered in ninety eight, and so now you needed a new one for <clears throat> the Diamondbacks and the Rays needed new Triple A affiliates. Okay, okay, no, okay. I, now, I, now I get it. So, the manager for the Durham Bulls, the Single A Durham Bulls, was fired because he uh, ruined New. Yeah, Wimush. threw
1: him way too much deep into games. And that's
0: why Robert Wool became an agent because he got fired too. He was the pitching coach. So he became an agent after getting fired as a pitching coach.
1: Agent of the Stars changed his name uh, to Arliss and <clears throat> you know
0: the rest is history. But did Nick Nukle come back from Tommy John surgery and make it to the majors? Oh, wait make it back to the majors?
1: Um, I'm going to say uh, no and here's why. He only kind of remotely got a head on his shoulders because he was mentored so closely by Crash Davis. Now, unless he did all his rehabbing over in Visalia, where Crash Davis became the manager of, and is still managing there to this day.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Crash is still managing.
1: Crash is managing, still in Visalia,
0: still trying to get to the show. Still trying to get back to the show. Okay, if there ever was a Bull Durham 2, this is what I think the plot should be. Let's hear it. Crash Davis is still managing. His pitching coach is Nuke Lelouch and Nuke Lelouch introduces him to all of the new sabermetrics. Nuke Lelouch has totally changed his outlook. He's all about pitch counts. He's all about different biometric ways of throwing and making sure that you protect arms, and Crash still gives the old-school way of baseball, and Nuke has done a 180 about the modern way of developing pitchers.
1: I am going to take the opposite route. Crash is wise. Crash would 100% adapt to the major, league me- the major league metrics that are being applied. Nuke would never be able to do this. One, he doesn't have the smarts, the smarts. He doesn't know what the numbers mean. And it's a battle in the clubhouse between Nuke and Crash. Crash would be like, listen, for the love of God, launch angle is a result. It's not an actual swing. You're not sw- throwing the ball into the guy's launch angle. Launch angle is this. Why does everyone talk about launch angle? Because it's it's just, oh my god! And it'd be that it's that argument I'm having with stupid people on Twitter, trying to tell me that launch angle is the end all be all. When I'm trying to explain to them that's a result, not not an actual swing path, idiot.
0: I want Nuke to become smart though. I I want his character arc to do something in thirty years. I don't want him to be the same character May, thirty years well, later. Maybe that's
1: the thing. Maybe that's his character arc through the movie. He he learns to adapt. And because he learns to adapt, the team starts to win, and both. None of the
0: players make it to the show, but, but they do. But they do make it to the show. <laughs> is Crash Davis really Brad Osmus? No. Why not? Brad spent like 12 years in the show. Yeah, I know. I couldn't think of another catcher who he's like. He's uh, not Brad Ausmus. Then who is, who is Crash Davis?
1: Uh, Tuffy Go-Switch?
0: Okay, that works. Uh yeah. Conrad um Conrad Schmidt maybe? I don't know Conrad Schmidt, but I know Tuffy Ghostwitch. Well, I know the name. I've said uh, it enough. Tuffy Ghostwitch maybe? Okay.
1: I I'd say maybe Tuffy. Um, me? You? I caught. I've I've done some a fair amount of catching. Um who's another kind of lifetime um solid catcher? Rocky Gale, Chris Stewart. Oh, Rocky Gale. Rocky Gale? I think Rocky Gale. I mean, I love Rocky. He's one of my all-time favorites. Didn't teammates.
0: Rocky Gale play for the Padres AAA team in Portland and Tucson and El Paso? He
1: went up for like a day in Portland. That so was, he didn't he, really. He was re- he was like recently drafted and okay. like they just needed a body, so they sent him up there from like extended.
0: Oh, the story's much better if he was in three different cities.
1: No, nah, he was there for like a day. Okay. I don't think I don't think he got it a bat, but he was you know he was in Tucson with me. He was in El Paso with me.
0: What else happens in Bull Durham too if they ever make the sequel?
1: Um, well, first off, I'd like to really reiterate I really hope they don't make a sequel okay. and ruin this. it's gonna become straight to Major League Three territory. <laughs> They're gonna forgo the awfulness of two and get to the terribleness of Major League Three. Um yeah I I, uh, I don't know. I, I think it might be an interesting year in the Cal League. Uh you know what's Susan Sarandon up to now? Is she like does she sell like spiritual beads now? Like healing stones? She's so Scentsy for sure. Um, yeah, no question. She's, a, you know, she's, she's doing that. Runs a yoga studio. She totally runs a yoga studio. Yeah.
0: And she's on the field twice a week with the players making sure they're stretched properly yeah, with the yoga.
1: I can see that.
0: Um, and the problem is all the players are hitting on all of the instructors from her studio. Yeah. So that becomes a big issue. Oh,
1: huge issue. And that's and, and in today's day and age, you, you can't have that. Um, what else? Millie, for some reason, moved to Visalia with, with her husband. Yeah. Uh, no one knows why. Since her dad donated the scoreboard in, in, <laughs> right. in Durham, like that. why would she move to Visalia? But she did.
0: No one seems to know why. Did they ever find a chicken to take the curse off of Jose's glove? Um, I, I, I have to believe
1: Jose just got a new glove. <laughs> if he had a good and, agent, and, he got a new glove. And hopefully got a new girlfriend. Right. Why is the girlfriend putting curses on his... On his life and work, yeah, That's, that
0: that affects her too. By yeah, the way, yeah, let's go with he got a new girlfriend <laughs> and hopefully a new glove. What happened to Benny the Jet?
1: Well, Benny the Jet, as you know, made it to the major leagues and he was at the tail end of his career when he decided to steal home at the end of the Sandlot, rocking a pretty sick mustache, I might add. Um, Benny the Jet Rodriguez left baseball altogether, put it in his tail, t- you know, right, right back, right in the background. No was, more baseball. Was
0: he like Terrence Gore or Billy Hamilton? Was he like Herb Washington, the designated pinch runner from the seventies? No, I
1: think he was a solid, everyday player. But then you know he's kind of. But then at towards the end of his career, he could still run. So then he kind of became Terrence Gore, but lost a step or two. You know, he's a little older now. But after he was done playing, he he left baseball and started a Queen tribute band, of which he was the lead singer uh, because he was a dead ringer for uh, Freddie Mercury. He sure was at the end of that movie. Uh, and he finished every song, giving a thumbs up to the sky to whoever was announcing whatever song. So he just finished, uh, you know, Radio Gaga, thumb up to, thumb up to the announcer.
0: Were any of his former Sandlot teammates members of this Queen tribute band?
1: No, they're you know the the mini moles were doing really well. Uh, Hambino's doing had a hell of a run as a professional wrestler. Uh, you know, he worked for the WWF under Vincent McMahon Sr. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think they all went their separate ways. Uh, I think Smalls still stays in touch. Uh, does not understand. Does not understand why Benny is such a Queen fan. Um, <laughs> okay, he, he he's just kind of struggles with it, and he's like, okay. I get it. I mean, they're yeah, they're an amazing band, but why
0: are you doing this? You you could still contribute to the game. Quick side note about Sandlot. Last time I was in Salt Lake City, Utah, rented a car, and I drove to the Sandlot where it was filmed. Mm-hmm. It was so depressing. There's nothing there. There's, I didn't even know it was filmed there. Yeah. It's, it's basically in between two houses. You can kind of walk up to the fence and see the area. There's no back screen anymore. There's no diamond. There's nothing. It's there's just, no it's, murderous it's, dog it, in it, left there's field? There's nothing. It's, it's just overgrown grass that needs to be cut. It was a complete waste of 20 minutes of my life. That's sad. What happened to Ryan Dunn from Summer Catch after he gave up the home run to Ken Griffey Jr. at the end?
1: Uh, I hope he started listening to Mike Lieberthal. Uh, first pitch, home run to Griffey because he shook off Mike Lieberthal. I know Mike Lieberthal a little bit. I should text him and ask him. Uh, hey, man, what happened to Freddie Brinch's horrible character from that horrible movie you made a quick appearance in? Uh, I'm assuming he uh, became you know a 4A guy, went up and down quite He's a bit. He's not Cole Hamels. No, I think he became a 4A guy, went up and down quite a bit, and uh, became a kind of a journeyman player uh, until he uh, ended up becoming a uh, minor league coach, probably the low levels, probably somewhere like Missoula, and worked his way up until he got uh, the pitching coordinator job for the, I'm going to say, mm, Pittsburgh Pirates. And now he's running, he's down in Florida. Making, making trips to Altoona and a few other uh, minor league affiliates, checking out their pitchers. And I think he's a pretty good coordinator, provided he doesn't leave in the eighth inning to get on a flight for no reason
0: at all. Do any of our favorite characters have a happy ending to their life? I think that's a
1: fairly happy ending. He ended up being a
0: pitching coordinator. he would be a good. whole lot happier ending if he made an all-star team.
1: He did. He made the double-A all-star team. He, got, he made the all-star <laughs> team in the Eastern League twice, two times. And uh, then a third time as the pitching coach. Yeah, I mean he did it. I mean he did it and all. Not,
0: and, but well, they were hosting, so the pitching coach. Yeah, just, he, they just when he was in
1: Reading, he he 100 made that made that All Star team. He might have even made the AAA All Star team for Lehigh Valley. He was a lefty reliever. He was probably pretty good. Yeah, he, I mean I think he had a hell of a career. I think he just you know he he let his let his belief in himself. Get in the way because you wouldn't listen to Mike Lieberthal because I know better how to throw to Griffey and what what happens.
0: I went in doubt. Listen to Mike Lieberthal.
1: Always listen to Mike Lieberthal. That's that's a personal rule that I carry to this day. Is Ray Kinsella still married? Which remind me, which one? Ray Kinsella. Feel the Dreams. Uh, yeah. the, 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 let's face facts. The the bank foreclosed. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> the bank one hundred percent foreclosed. There were they. They were there. Was no there were no ghosts. Him and his wife did too much acid in the sixties, which they very clearly showed. They were having just complete acid flashbacks. This entire movie so much so that it almost killed their daughter, who was choking on a hot dog.
0: Which leads to the other question of: Did protective services take away the
1: daughter? God, I hope so. And I guess somehow they got. Timothy Busfield high because all of a sudden he's <laughs> seeing all the ghosts all of a sudden uh, and, and then they'll but look the camera goes away look all the cars coming they're not coming to you that's a highway
0: that's a highway going through town
1: it's a highway it's a road people drive on roads no one's coming to see your acid dream <laughs> so are they still married He maybe but they're not things aren't good
0: did Terrence Mann ever write another book
1: no, I think he became a recluse. Not unlike, not unlike, uh, not unlike uh,
0: what's his name from Catcher in the Rye? Um, uh, Kinsella? I mean, um, no. um, um, what's wrong with me? Same thing that's wrong with me. Um, because he said he was going to write about this baseball in the cornfield. So did a publisher end up publishing said novel? No, I think he was big of an. I, I think
1: he wrote it, but it's in the vault, just like
0: uh, what's his name from <laughs> Catcher in the Rye. What's wrong with me? I can always Google it. Yeah, Google we that. We do have uh, but like he has, he, ha-
1: he has a bunch of novels that are apparently sitting away in the vault, and apparently everyone's waiting for like the year where the vault's allowed to be opened up so we can see his n- new writings. J.D. Salinger. Thank you, Salinger. What is wrong with me? J.D. Salinger. So I think he became J.D. Salinger, disappeared, wrote more things, but it's just sitting there in a safe that no one knows the code to.
0: <laughs> Someone's eventually going to find that code when he dies, and mm-hmm. then...
1: Isn't he long dead? Yeah. His son played Captain America in in a 1993 terrible movie. No, it was
0: 1990. Is there any of our favorite characters from movies who have like a spectacular end to their life after the credits stopped rolling?
1: Yeah, I think think Roy Hobbs went and just lived a wonderful life with his family. He achieved what he needed to achieve.
0: That was his last game.
1: Yeah, I think he left baseball, took care of his son. I think he lived the life on the farm that he
0: truly did want to live. I think his son, how about this? His son not only made it to the major leagues, but made it to the Hall of Fame.
1: Based on how he threw the ball back to Roy at the end of the movie, I'm going to strongly disagree with you on that.
0: He became a hitter.
1: It must have been a hell of a hitter. Uh, he threw that ball like he might have been left-handed, and he threw that ball right-handed. It was rough. Um, I think uh, I think Jake uh, Jack Elliott from Mr. Baseball had a happy ending. He became a co- hitting coach for the... Uh, for the uh, Tigers and Tigers, and now I think I think he eventually became a manager. I think he ended up becoming Bruce Bochy. Ooh! I think he legitimately. they he the
0: mustache? <laughs> Did he have the big enough head to become Bruce Bochy? I don't know, man. That Bruce Bochy's head is the size of two heads. Um, that is a that is. A but dollar. no one has the head of Bruce Bochy, so it's not a fair comparison. It's, it's
1: really unfair. Uh, that that head is, is something else. But, yeah, I think he became Bruce
0: Boshi. Okay.
1: I feel good about that one. I feel really good about
0: that one. I want I want another happy ending. Hey, now. Um, I want... Uh, what about... Um, I think there's a movie that we're forgetting. It's called... Oh. I mean, there's plenty of baseball movies. Uh, a League of Their Own. But see, that that's one... Okay, so that movie. one... Okay, so that's a but really they good movie. But
1: they showed you the ending. Yeah. Like, so they, they were all... Older and at the end of the movie, and they, they all kind of succeeded in their lives. So,
0: But it's still mostly based on a true story anyways. Yeah. So you really can't use that one all that much. Uh, what are we forgetting here? Fever
1: Pitch had a happy ending. I think they went on to live happily ever after. And For
0: Love of the Game. Oh, God, I
1: was hoping we could avoid this. That movie had, had so many good... It had Vince Scully. It had... Um, what was his name in San Diego? Dick Dick Um Dick Enberg? Dick Emberg. Like they had them in that movie. Did they did they owe him f- did they lose a bet? That movie was unwatchable. The baseball scenes were not terrible. They weren't good, but they weren't terrible. The rest of the movie, oh my goodness, what a what a what a piece of shit. Um Billy Chappell um was an unlikable character. There's no question in my mind he ruined that relationship for a fifth time. He was not a good guy. She clearly left him again. So there is no happy ending in that one. I'm assuming I hope I hope Kelly Preston met someone who could treat her properly.
0: Okay. Because he was a real dick in that movie. What about oh, all these other ones are also? The
1: Scout, I think uh I think uh he went on to become a Hall of Famer. Really? Yeah, I think he ended up never giving up a single uh <laughs> I don't think anyone made contact to him one time for the next 11 years, uh, and I think he made more money than... I think he might
0: own his own team in, like, Columbia now. Um, Did you ever see the... um, Oh, I just lost it. Where'd it go? The Bingo... What's this called? The Bingo Traveling All-Stars? No. Bingo Long Traveling All-Stars, 1976. No, never heard of it. I know that I saw it when I was probably like, I don't know, five or six years old, but I don't remember anything about that.
1: Here's a baseball movie. Ed, about the monkey playing uh, baseball uh, with uh, Matt LeBlanc. Is it Matt LeBlanc from Friends? Yeah, yeah, Yeah. that's Matt LeBlanc. So Matt LeBlanc, uh, I think, uh, happy ending, not for him. I think he got released. And Ed went on to be a four-time All-Star in the American League.
0: Okay. All right. So what have we learned about... Movies and TV shows and sports over the last 50 minutes of trashing our favorite characters
1: after the credits rolled. <laughs> it's all about characters. You know. you, you, wanna, you want someone to root for. You've got to give an audience a reason to root for it.
0: And you have, to find, you have to make something so that even if you don't like that sport, you still want to watch it. Yeah,
1: there's got to be a reason. I mean, not everyone's a baseball fan. Not everyone's a football fan. Slapshot. I, 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 don't, I, I know 10 hockey fans in L.A. Like, legit hockey fans. Everyone loves Slapshot. That movie is just fantastic because the characters are unique. It's such a different setting. It's a good movie. Goon does the same thing, too. Um, You know, I think that movie gives you a lot more to play with. Um, You know, I know a lot of people that aren't football fans, but love Remember the Titans. Mm -hmm. There's not a single wasted character in that movie. Not
0: one. That was really well done. Um, Did you see Youngblood? No. With Rob Lowe. Rob Lowe plays a junior hockey league player in the 1980s, who is kind of like the Wayne Gretzky, but he's not tough enough. Right? Mm That he gets beat up on the ice all the time, and so he has to become tougher in order to like actually like make it in the NHL. Mm -hmm. And then it gets a little bit creepy because there's like these uh, host families, but there's like moms who are, you know, doing. Trying to do a little bit more than they should be doing as host moms, that part gets a little bit creepy yeah. um, who was the other there 's another really good actor who was like the guy who needed to like tough him up to like teach him how to fight to teach him how to be able to like make it in hockey hmm. it was a uh, It was a classic just Rob Ho vehicle in the '80s where all right we 've done Rob Lowe as uh, as a greaser in the outsiders, and we 've done Rob Lowe uh, in this movie, and now we just need to keep giving him different characters so that he can hook up with someone who's very attractive and who can, um... In this movie, Rob Lowe is Rob Lowe. In Rob Lowe's hockey
1: movie. Rob Lowe didn't really kind of get to the next part of his career until the West Wing where he finally actually played a character. Uh, I feel like everything else was just, Hey, I'm Rob Lowe, I'm handsome and uh, charming. Uh, It wasn't until... Actually, uh, Wayne's World he played... uh, Well, actually, take it back. Wayne's World, he just played asshole Rob Lowe. (laughs)
0: And, that that but, might have been the last role of Rob Lowe. Yeah, that was the
1: end of Rob Lowe, it was, but it was a time where someone was like, you know what? I don't hate Rob Lowe today. He plays an asshole in this movie, but it really works. And then, uh, then he was in the West Wing where he was fantastic. Um, yeah, Rob Lowe, Rob Lowe really got away with being Rob Lowe for a long time.
0: All right, I'm going to take this in a slightly different direction. That's it. It's going to be a both happy and sad direction. Uh-oh. Our good friend... Who is no longer with us. Brody Stevens. Oh, Let's oh. talk
1: about Brody Stevens. One of my favorites of all time. Love him. Um, Brody was a comedian in Los Angeles um, from Reseda. He will tell you that. 818 forever. 818. He will tell you that he's from Reseda every chance he can. He will literally go on a tangent and talk to you and just yell, I'm
0: from Reseda!
1: <laughs> he, was, uh, he was a comedy juggernaut. Like, he was just, you you could not, you couldn't speak to him. couldn't get a word in edgewise. Because um, he just, once he started, he did not stop. He was super positive. He was just a good soul. And uh, I miss him every day. Uh, he was just, um, Brody, uh, unfortunately, took his own life earlier this year during spring training. And, man, it just kind of came out of nowhere. You know, Brody lived a block and a half... Away. Here's the funny thing. I was friends with Brody. He lived a block and a half away from me. I didn't even know it. Really? I had no idea. I did. I would do radio shows with him. I would do podcasts with him. I would do, uh, like, internet TV shows with him. Um, I got, when I got released by here, I went back home, and there was this incident that happened with the high school team that Eric Burns put together this thing where these guys got knocked out of a playoff game for a technicality at Torrance High School, and Burns like, "Hey, have you signed yet?" I'm like, "No." He's like, "Want to play this thing against these kids?" I said, "Absolutely." And I caught the game. I caught Brody Stevens. You caught Brody for five innings, and Brody was great. I mean, how was is, was how is his stuff? Not not amazing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, he not, was, not by professional no, baseball but standards. I mean,
1: for what he was doing, great. He was throwing and he was throwing in the high seventies, maybe even touched eighty a couple of times. He was he was throwing breaking balls. He got hit around a little bit, but like he threw. Five innings, and he was, and it was, it was not one joke made the entire game. He was intense. I had the tiger. He wanted, he wanted to beat Torrance that day. He wanted to beat him so bad. It was great. I loved it. Uh, it was, it was so much fun. And I caught Brody for five innings, and he was just, uh, man, Brody, uh, we would sit around talking about baseball all the time. Um, he, there's this, he had a show on Comedy Central that didn't last very long that, um, where he had this opening where he's talking about him pitching in the L.A. like City Finals against, I think, uh, like Granada Hills or something. He was facing Rod Beck, and he's talking about how he came in the game, and he's doing this thing. He's like, here it is, the L.A. thing. Rod Beck, home, uh, pitcher here, going to the major leagues, top prospect in the world, Brody Stevens, pitching at Reseda, home of Toto, and he's like, I'm coming in the game Base is loaded I cannot walk this guy I will not walk this guy I will not screw this up And the catcher comes up What happened? I screwed it up I walked the guy and I gave him a homer And then Rob Beck went on to like a 15 year baseball career And then I became a greeter at a TGI Friday's <laughs> Which is not entirely true Because Brody did go play at Arizona State uh, Brody was the best He was uh, He was just such a kind and gentle soul who just um, you know, the world is worse
0: off without him. I remember my first year when I was doing the Dodgers pre and post and I would see Brody all the time on the field and I'm like, who is this guy that's on the field? Like, He's not working, he's not media, he's not a player he's not one of the celebrities that is always on the field at Dodger Stadium, but everybody knows him and everybody seems to come up to him and smile and laugh and want to be around him. So one day I just walked up to him and I'm just like, hey I'm Josh, I don't know who you are, but who are you? And he proceeds to spend the next 15 minutes to 20 minutes telling me every credit of his entire career. Hangover. In it. Hangover
1: two. In it. Hangover three. Not in it. Due date. In
0: it. <laughs> Proceeded to tell me about how he's all about positive energy. And But what I did learn, though, is that he was the, the warm-up. For the best damn sports show. Yes, he was. And that was sort of his entry to sports, along with the fact that him and Mike Borzello is now a coach for the Cubs or like childhood friends, and Borzello was a coach with the Yankees or with the Dodgers at the time. He was with the Yankees and the Dodgers, now the Cubs. And so Brody was just on the field and then everyone loved him. And so he would just gotta pass every day. And you would just always see him. Here we are at Wrigley Field. There's Brody. Mm-hmm. It's the playoffs. There's Brody. Here's spring training. There's Brody. You he would just-
1: send me texts. Like, I remember in the World Series, I was playing down, uh, when the Cubs were in the World Series, I was playing down in Venezuela at the time. And he, he would send me a couple of texts. But, like, yeah. Here, I'm here in center. F- I'm, I, this is how it seemed like he said it. He probably said it while he was typing it. In center field, just to the left. Tickets, World Series, game seven. What are you doing? I'm like, I'm in a hotel in Caracas. What's that? Are you still playing baseball? I'm like, yes, I am. It's so, like, man, World Series, Game 7, <laughs> yes! <laughs> By the way, that's a dynamite Brody impression. It really is. That's, uh, I, I, really, I really had a good Brody impression because he, he would always finish sentences with, yes! <laughs> uh, he, it was either yes or what else was his thing that he would always say? Um, Oh God he had another quote he had a comedy he had a half hour comedy comedy central special where he finished every sentence with this thing and it wasn't yes I think yes kind of ended up becoming the catchphrase uh
0: but man he he was just he was the energy he had. That's, but, that's what attra- that's what drew me. I'm like, I can just feel this guy's energy on the field. Like, I want to be next to this guy. Um,
1: you're having a conversation, like, one-on-one, and he is yelling <laughs> right. at you. Not, not at you, but, like, with you <laughs> for some reason. It, it made no sense. But he, just, but he was just so infectious, and he was just so fun and great. And I never met a single person that didn't love him. Um, you know, he had his issues, unfortunately, and he was just... Man, he was just so talented and so wonderful. And um, Oh, I remember the quote, you got it. You got that it. was it. He would always say, you got it. Uh, uh, you got it, and yes. He was just, he was so great. Um, I just don't have enough nice things to say about Brody Stevens and how much I miss him.
0: I remember going to see, I had, so I had a friend who was coming into town, and she wanted to go see Chelsea, uh, Chelsea Handler. And so I just went through, like, just like the Internet and, like, whatever you typed in uh, to try and get tickets. And we were on the waiting list, and I didn't know if we were going to get in. And I'm feeling like a fool. I'm trying to be, like, a big shot. Oh, I can get us tickets. we're standing in the – and maybe you'll get in line. And here comes Brody. Oh, hey, what's up? I'm not going to try and do a Brody impersonation. Bottom line is, not only did Brody get us in, he got us in before everyone else, and he got us in the front row. Nice. And then afterwards, we met Chelsea, and he was just the best. But I remember watching him do – the warm up. And I had no idea what it meant to warm up a TV audience and just how hard that is. It's basically crowd work,
1: you know, and I've saw Brody do sets where he didn't tell a single joke and he just did crowd work. Mm-hmm. And it was some of the funniest stuff I've ever seen. He's just he's just he was so infectious. It was impossible not to laugh.
0: Yeah. When he when he when he spoke. And spe- especially the way that he would go, af- go after people. This person gets it. This person doesn't get it. This side of the room, not telling you jokes. This side, you get me. Yes! Let's
1: do some comedy. Your side, make no noise. You guys. Yes! <laughs> and it was just that for like 20 minutes. And it was just... It was, he, he did this thing sometimes, and I always called it like this certain line of comedy where you do something where it starts, and it's moderately amusing. Then it gets annoying. But then after four minutes... And it's still going, it's hilarious. Mm-hmm. And he would always do that. Because it was like at first it was like, This is funny. Then you're like, okay, is it good it's ju- still it's, it's running? Now, now now I'm getting tired. But he's all in,
0: and ten minutes later he's still going, and it is so funny. He was relentless. Yeah. He was relentless in the way that he would talk to you. In the volume of his voice was relentless. His a bit willingness to work a crowd, to work a joke, was just relentless. I
1: did like this TV, digital TV, the Tom Green digital TV show, where he hosted it and I was his one guest. And we did it for like an hour. It took me 15 minutes to just kind of figure out how to, like, work in edgewise with him because he was just this ball of energy and I was kind of a little more calm and collected. It was so hard to kind of get in his rhythm. Eventually, I got it. And the, how the show ended was we played music and he just pulled out drumsticks and just drummed his ass off and just <laughs> stared smiling, maniacally smiling at the camera. And I'm like, what the, what the hell is happening? Like, this, it was it was madness. It was absolute madness. And I loved Every second of him, uh, he was uh, he was a madman who was brilliant, and I I know eventually I don't know when or who, but someone's gonna make a documentary about his life and career, and it's gonna it it'll it'll be it'll blow everybody away how yeah. how amazing this man was.
0: Yeah, we miss him, we miss him a lot. When do you know it's time to retire? Go ahead, be as coy as you want to be. When do you, know, uh, when when do you do know, know that it's time to no longer play baseball? I think I knew a couple years ago. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I think I knew when the Rockies released me it was pretty much time, but I, uh, I could still do it, and I'm still good at it, um, and I could still get picked up. Uh, you know, good things are happening, let's put it that way. I, I love what I do, and I am still here, and I'm still playing. I'm hitting fourth tonight, playing left field.
0: I cannot wait. You hit a bomb the other night. I sure did. I was half tempted to go into the parking lot to see if I could find it, but uh, I was too tired.
1: According to Statcast or uh, one of whatever one D-backs use, it was 470 feet. Now, Is that I, right? Now, I'm going to disagree and say it went further. But Wait, I'll, the D-backs travel around with Statcast? We travel around with our like our thing, yeah. Do you really? we have a whole baseball has any information I want I can get. Wow. It's 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 insane the amount of information we have.
0: So it went 470.
1: That's what they're saying. I feel like that probably went a little further. I mean, I put that in the parking lot, right? So
0: I'm going to say, yeah, yeah. So that, that's one of, for sure, that's top five of the longest home runs I've seen at this ballpark. Okay, so I'll, I'll see if I can describe them as you're looking at them Let's in the, look, in the audience. The hell of, we have a hell of a view. And, the, and the audience right would be like, yeah, I have no idea what this dude's talking about. Okay, so in deep left center field, there is an enormous scoreboard. Huge. Covers and, the
1: entire left center field. Basically, where the left fielder would stand straight up in left field to... The corner of the center field wall.
0: How, would you, how high do you think the top part is that says isotopes? I would say 50 feet, maybe higher. Mack Williamson hit it over that, over the first O in isotopes. That's a bomb. That's an
1: absolute bomb.
0: I, think, I still think that's the longest one. Trevor Story also hit it over that, although his was he pulled his a little bit more. So it was kind of at the start of the scoreboard, whereas Williamson's was basically over the almost the exact middle of it. Yeah, that's a bomb. Hitting that over that is pretty good. That's a good poke. John, uh, remember John Singleton? I do remember John Singleton. Okay, so at Isotopes Park, we have a hill in center field. Yes. Don't ask. We have a hill.
1: It's it, a bit of a nuisance. I'm not going to lie to you.
0: It's 400 to dead center to dead center. Even though it's 428 to the sides of the it, yeah, semi-circle. it's a crescent moon
1: in Ooh. center field. Ooh, I like that. in center field. It's a hill that's a crescent moon shaped fence where okay. it's. Uh, you know, we're at the
0: rounded part. And so after the fence, it's fairly steep hill that keeps going up, and there's a whole bunch of trees. And what's really neat is if you ever come to Isotopes Park, there's a whole bunch of photos that show the first game where the trees are just tiny. And now these trees are enormous. Yeah, it's, be- it's, a, it's a great backdrop. So at the right center side of the end of the Crescent... The biggest tree at the very back mm-hmm. John Singleton, hit it basically through almost the top of that that is a bomb
1: because that, that part of the fence is four twenty eight and uh you know i'd say that tree is another forty feet uh yeah that's a that's that's a good poke right there yeah you know yeah, this has always been labeled as a hitter's part but like how how many bombs really stick out in your head here um, you know it's balls that it's it's the balls that you know just get over here that are are the ones that are
0: that are usually reported on so the ones that go to right field one of my theories about long home runs is that when they disappear they become more mythical mm-hmm. so the ones that are hit to right field here you see where they land, Always. so you can pinpoint exactly where it landed, and you can go and you can compare.
1: And there's multiple rows of grass in right field. It's it's very much right field. If you've ever been to a spring training facility or a spring training field, right field looks a lot like most major league spring f- training fields. You know, big grass berm, a couple of levels, um, cathedral like. Yes. Um, so I I've the farthest one I've ever seen to right field here. I've I've never seen one put a, seen anyone put it on top of the, the top level of it. I have seen the the level just below it, though.
0: Yeah, so in my seven years, no one's hit it to the top on the fly. Mm-hmm. But they've hit some that have, like, bounced up to Yeah, the top. I've
1: seen a few that gone on the walkway and, and the next level, but never at the very top. That that would be a hell of a poke. But the balls at the left. Those I mean, are
0: the ones that disappear, so you lose track so it's, exactly it's, where it's they what, lay.
1: It's 340 down the left field line, right? Yeah. So you got, you got a full bullpen, two mounds, so that's probably another 30 feet, maybe 25 feet. Maybe twenty, maybe twenty feet. Then you got a bunch of rows of, you know, four rows, sta- four rows of stadium seating, and uh, a thing. And then you got another walk, another like fifteen foot walkway, and then you got a parking lot. So it's probably another, I'd say, a hundred feet to the, uh, to that, that parking yeah, lot.
0: Yeah, it's probably four forty to get it out of the ballpark. Yeah, to park. get
1: out of the ballpark, you got to hit at four forty, and uh, I, I got a, I hit a pretty good poke out of there. Uh, the other night, it's definitely the let's say. Let me put it this way: it's definitely the farthest home run I've ever hit here, and I've hit some far home runs here. Uh, but that you was hit the
0: three here. Oh wait, I was just thinking about the two of the isotopes. I am about to say I hit I two
1: for the isotopes. I hit several for El Paso. Probably one for I don't remember if I hit one here for Tucson, um, but I remember when I was in El Paso, I hit one off the Smith sign in left center. Um, I hit a couple in the bullpen. Um,
0: What's your furthest one at any ballpark? Uh,
1: I think I hit one over f- uh, about 509 feet in El Paso once, off Colt Hines on July second, 2014. I remember it because the specific date because we were wearing our Fourth of July jerseys, and it was we wore them two days before Fourth of July because we were playing on the road. Okay. Ridiculous that I remember that, and I remember it was Colt Hines because Colt Hines was the next teammate of mine. Mm-hmm. So I, that one sticks out in my head pretty
0: good. Colt Hines was like a rodeo guy as a kid. He he was a hell of a pitcher. He was
1: a, he was also kind of one of those journeymen who's been up and down a couple of times, bounced around to a lot of organizations. Super talented, never really got the real shot that he could have probably succeeded. Um, but you know, that's that's a lot of ball players that you see in you know the AAA ranks.
0: Almost every day when I'm out in the press room and you're talking to different scouts and it's always fascinating to hear them talk about, you know, some of them are like, look, if you're good enough, they're going to find you. And then some of them are like, man, that I just, that guy just could have gotten that shot with that organization or with that organization. We
1: I talked about it with my buddy today who's a scout. It's just, it's timing. It's luck. You know, there's not a single guy on this field today on both teams, the isotopes or over in the aces. There's not a single guy on either of these teams that can go to that couldn't go to the big leagues and be successful and be an everyday solid baseball player in the major leagues. It's not about that. It's the the only organizations only push their you know top guys to do that. Um, and sometimes it doesn't matter what you're doing. You know the, the giving we have a, we had a guy named Tim LaCastro uh, who's in the big leagues right now and he's an unbelievable ball player. He got called up two weeks into the season. He was hitting like oh ninety, 90 but he got called up, and he did great up there, and he came back down and rigged, absolutely killed it. He's back up again. He's a hell of a ball player. But it's not necessarily what you're doing at that exact moment. It's do you fill the need that they have? Are you a top prospect shortstop that you're, they're going to give you 200 at-bats to? I was never going to be that guy. I, I always thought I would, uh, but I was unrealistic. I was never going to be the guy that they were going to say, you're in the big leagues, here's 100 at-bats. See what you can do. I was ill-prepared when I went to the big leagues. I was ill-prepared for the job that I was being asked to do because I was even told when I went up there that I was going to play. And I didn't. It was just pinch hit here, pinch hit there. A job I'd never done. A job I'm actually now really good at because I've been doing it the last few years. But uh, it's just there is not a single guy on this field that wouldn't be successful at the big leagues in the bullpen and the starting rotation, all of them. Every single guy here can play, and can play at the highest level in baseball. It's just, there's 25 spots up there. Those spots are currently already taken. So you need someone to get hurt in your spot, you need them to get traded, you need them to play bad. Uh, and it's it's pretty terrible that that's how, kind of what you need to happen. You need someone else's failure to be your success. When In actuality, your teammates' success is not hindering any of your success, but... There is roadblocks,
0: and then when you do go up, your first week has to be really good. Yeah, you have actually one to... of your first three games has to be really yeah, good.
1: You go your first game zero for four. You're probably not playing the next day, and then you get labeled the stigma. Well, he can't handle it up here. Yes, he can. He absolutely can. But sometimes hey, you need. I got eleven at bats. I went zero for eleven, but I never, I never pinch hit. Certainly never pinch hit in the big league, major leagues. You know how many good major league pinch hitters there have been in the history of baseball? Not a
0: whole lot. And they all played for the Dodgers. <laughs> they did. <laughs> Manny Moda, Mark Sweeney. Who's the other one?
1: Um, or signs Um Dave Hansen. Thank you. That's the one I was thinking yeah, of. Yeah, all of the Dodgers pinch hitters were pretty good. But uh, outside of that, I mean, it's it's a tough gig. So it's just... Um, and if you're good enough at it, then they make you a starter. Yeah. The, and if you pinch it great, then you become the everyday guy. So you don't pinch hit for long. So it's just one of those things that... It's a stigma that you know casual fans don't understand or realize, and it's one of those things. It's hard. Um, like, There's no doubt in my mind if you put me in the big leagues and you give me 100 at-pats, I'll hit you 5 to 10 home runs. I'll, I'll hit because I can hit, but there's no real room for me, and I think that time has passed me, and I understand that. And it's not that I can't do it. I 100% can do it, um, but I'm 32, and they're they're going to – I'm, if I'm the Diamondbacks aren't going to bring up a 32 year old to, to come get some at bats, they're going to bring up their young guys that are their prospects to give them a look and give them an opportunity. And that's not a that's not like a negative thing to the Diamondbacks. They're just they're doing what's right for them. Um, and I'm very pleased to play for them. They're, they've been nothing but honest and great to me, and I love this organization. So it's just um, would I love another shot? Yeah. I would. I mean, who wouldn't want that? But I'm, I'm not going to get it, and I, and I understand that. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm actually at pretty good peace with it. I'm just having a lot of fun coming out here playing. You know, I, I love that I'm going to be in this game today. I, I, I love that I've gotten to play the last, like, eight straight games. I went from not playing for a month to all of a sudden I played eight straight games. How's your body feel? Sore. <laughs> 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 because I'm playing the outfield, and, you know, I haven't played outfield. <laughs> very much the last couple of years so but i'm i'm having a blast man and it's it's cool i did get charged with a pretty un- pretty rough error the other day really made, which one i made a good throw to third base and the oh, yeah. the runner the runner slides in and does a perfect jumping side kick and kicks it into the thing i thought i threw him out
0: that's one of those where you just have to wear it cuz you have to someone has to get the error yeah.
1: and it, the third ba- it never the third baseman didn't get to, didn't get to catch cuz the ball got kicked out of his like glove right yeah. before it got to his glove. So yeah. I'm just like, oh, that, that sucks. I made a good throw. and
0: Yeah, that's a tough error.
1: Just bad luck on my part. But, you know, that's baseball, man. But, no, it's – it's. I, I, I love what I do. I love this. I love being out at the field. I love coming to the field. I love being in the lineup. And if I'm not in the lineup and I know I'm going to have a pinch hit later, I love getting prepared for that pinch hit. You know, because the way I'm used as a pinch hitter is I'm not going in for a wasted spot. I'm not going in – down three with nobody on. I'm coming in with runners on first and second, down one, or tied. You know, they're going to put me in a spot where I can change the outcome of this game. And uh, that's a spot that I've really grown to love. Um, you know, tonight I'm hitting fourth. I'm going to try and drive the ball every at bat and put some good to bats together and
0: have some fun. All right. This was fun. This was a blast. Yeah. Hey, thanks for doing this again. Thanks for having me. That's Cody Decker. This is Life Around the Scene.